Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. Probably not the best way to open up a message on a Sunday morning, but does anybody like to hang out with grumpy people? Some of you think, some people do. That's interesting. Uh, most people are like, Billy, I hang out with one. Like, you ladies are thinking, I'm married to one. He's, he's just a grouch, old grumpy. Remind me of this joke that I read this week. Do you wake up grumpy in the morning? Of course not. I let her sleep. <laughs> Probably starting off entirely too bad this morning. We're pressing on in our, our Fruit of the Spirit series, and today we're talking about this word, peace. Peace. It's an interesting word, isn't it? It's like everybody is looking for it, everybody wants it, but very few people truly have it. I've noticed that people spend their entire lives looking and longing for this thing called peace, but can I just share just a little secret with you this morning about this thing called peace? If you're taking notes, you should probably write this down. This thing called peace, what we're talking about today, cannot be achieved, it can only be received. It cannot be achieved. It can only be received. Has anybody ever heard of the Winchester Mansion in San Jose, California? Have you ever heard of it? If you don't know what it is, there's a couple pictures up on screen that I want to share with you. It's a beautiful place. It is the widow who owned it for the longest time was, uh, was Miss Winchester, the guy who made hundreds of millions of dollars out of your husband's pocket, the Winchester Gun Company. If you have a Winchester, man, that was their house. You helped build this big old atrocity. But Mrs. Winchester, uh, for 38 years, her name was Sarah Winchester, and uh, she owned this house. And for 38 years, from 1884 until her death in 1922, the house was under constant construction. She would come and she would hire out teams of individuals and carpenters and masons and other workers who worked around the clock. And in doing so, this house holds the record of the longest continuous home construction in the Guinness Book of World Records. They said that for a period of six hours over 38 years, there was not any construction in it. And the only reason that happened because of the earthquake, I think in 1906, trapped her in a room and she couldn't do anything. I want to show you this next picture of it just so you understand how the vastness of this. That's her mansion. That's her house that she, she had. She, she was obsessed with the number 13. She built 13 bathrooms, but there was only one shower in the entire house. It takes more than 20,000 gallons of paint to cover the entire mansion. And by the t- time the painters finish up the first of it, or the last of it, they have to start all the way back over and start painting it all again. There are 10,000 window panes on the house, more than the Empire State Building, which has roughly 6,500. There are doorways inside this house and stairwells that lead to these places, just a blank walls, 160 rooms total. If you read through some of the more interesting facts, they'll tell you that a lot of times they would tear down a wall and they would find a brand new room that they had built, but she had covered up. You look at this and you ask this question, what was the point of all this? Why was she so intrigued about constantly building stairwells and constructions and hallways that lead to nowhere? Well, there are a lot of rumors that kind of go behind Mrs. Winchester why she did this, but one of them caught my eye. Mrs. Winchester believed that she was either going to be haunted by or was going to be haunted by all the ghosts that were, that were killed by her husband's weapons. 
So she believed that the only way to fix this issue was for her to constantly remodel her house. It's estimated that she spent more than $70 million in today's economy on a pointless construction project, all in a desperate plea for search, or all for a desperate plea of peace in her life that would never come. And this story on a much closer level today resonates with many of us. You see, I think that we believe in some way or somehow that our peace comes through our own choices and our own decisions and our own vices. So we turn to alcohol to bring peace. We turn to drugs. We turn to immorality. We turn to wealth, pleasures, and we turn to every other fruitless endeavor, all in the hopes to bring peace. But all those things are just like the constant staircases in the Winchester Mansion. They lead nowhere. Those paths cannot and will not bring peace into your life. Again, I just need to say this so you'll know going through this, peace cannot be achieved. It can only be received. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot down this scripture. You don't have to turn there, but I do want you to look at it. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. It says this, you keep him in perfect peace. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, and the Lord God is an everlasting rock. This, this verse puts, uses the word perfect peace. Can I ask you this morning to think through this? Do you have perfect peace in your life today? Do you have perfect peace in your life today? It's interesting because if I were to ask, hey, do you believe in God? Almost everybody in this room would say, of course I believe in God. If I were to come and ask you, hey, hey do you know God on an intimate level? Most of us would say, well, well, I know him. I think there's room for improvement. I, I should know him more, but I, I do know him. But if I were to come and I were to ask you this question, do you have perfect peace in your life? Most of us, if we're honest here, we're probably going to say probably not. But I think the truth is, I don't think there's one of us that wouldn't want it. I mean, do, do we not want to have peace in our life? I, I think we all want to have this. I think there are some folks here today that you want to be free, freed, freed from the turmoil, the stress, the anxieties, the worries, and the fears, and the restlessness that's just plaguing and destroying your life. So I think the question then quickly becomes, well, how do we attain this lasting peace? How do we find it? Does that come through a good diet and exercise? Lord Jesus, I hope not. Does this come through, 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 through more sleep? Man, if you've got kids, you ain't sleeping no time soon. Does this come through, through, through medication? Your doctors are going to tell you that. Here, just take these pills. It'll be, it'll be all right. Does this peace come from running from all of our stresses and all of our worries and all of our problems in life? Man, I hope not. We'll all be single next week. Ladies are gone. Were the great theologians, Timon and Pumbaa, did they have it really right? Akuna Matata? Was there some truth to what they said? Is there a five little simple trick, maybe a program that we can go through today that's going to give us this peace? Does peace come from trying to run away or, excuse me, does peace come from finding a way to always be successful over every problem and challenge in our life? I want you to hear me this morning. All those, all those things I said, they're, they're, not, they're not bad things. As a matter of fact, most of them can be pretty helpful. But are they going to bring you the peace, this perfect peace in your life? Unfortunately, not. Not at all. But 
But isn't that where we're all at? I mean, do we not look for all these different things, all these scenarios, all these tools and gadgets? Oh, like, that's what we're looking for that we think is going to bring us this peace, right? And, and, and it brings us something for a while, but it never lasts. There's always something that grows up empty. There's always this void that seems to always come back, and it's never filled. And I think there are a lot of people here today, and that's where many of us are at. We're on these paths, we're on these journeys, and we're hoping that all these different vices, all these things are going to kind of be able to to fill this void. And they never last. I think that's the path that many of us are on today. We believe that, or some of us, we believe that that this thing called peace, it's, it's almost this magical emotion. And it's really only a handful of people can truly get I can't have peace, but other people can have peace. But, but can I just tell you that if you think that, you know, you'll never be able to have peace, can I just share with you that that's probably one of the dumbest things for you and I to think and believe? I know that's not good preaching, but it is. Can I tell you why? Because the Bible says so much about it. Listen to some of these verses. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. At all times, in every way, the Lord be with you all. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which suppresses all understanding, listen to this, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. John 14, 27, listen to this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be Afraid. I, I just want you to know God has no desire for you to go throughout this life without peace that he so freely gives. And that's why this passage that we're looking at today is so good. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6. I, I want us to look at today the only place in Scripture where the phrase the Lord of peace appears. It's the word Jehovah Shalom, And it appears only one time in Scripture. To give you a little bit of context for today, uh, Joshua has led the people of Israel to what we know as the promised land. And even though they're in the land of promise, the people are still experiencing problems and trials. Church family, did you know that you can be at the place that God has for you and still have problems? Jesus said it this way. You will have problems and trials and troubles and tribulations, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He's saying in this life, on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you are going to experience problems. Here's what I think happens a lot of times. I think as believers, we lure ourselves into this ideal that we think because I'm a Christian, because I come to church on Sunday, I'll never experience problems and trials and troubles. Everything in my life should be just peachy. And then all of a sudden, when life comes crashing down, man, we got a lot of questions right now. Hey, can I just share with you, two weeks ago on a Monday, man, I went down to Texarkana, and my papa got one of the worst diagnoses that we can hear. The whole way down there, praying, Lord, let this be anything but cancer. God, don't let this be cancer. God, I'm going to trust in you. God, don't let this be cancer. Went in, man, I'm, I'm confident, optimistic. This thing going to be cancer. It's going to be something else. And then that doctor came around the corner, and she came in and said, hey, he's got colon cancer. And then all of a sudden, my life world just came crashing down. Are you kidding me? And my papa said these words. He said, Billy, just remember in this life, the Bible tells us it rains on the just and the unjust. 
And here's what I've noticed about life, that there are things that we experience in our life that are completely out of our control. You didn't do anything to cause it. Life just happened, and all of a sudden, these things are impacting and rattling your world right now. I think that fits for my papa. He didn't do anything wrong. It was just, it's one of those things. But here's what's happening in his life right now. His faith is being tested, and he is showing up and rising up in ways that I haven't seen in a long time. So here's what I want to tell you. In this life, it rains on the just and the unjust. There are times, days, and seasons that it's not your fault. It's circumstances of the world. But there are other times, and this is the part that I really want to talk about, that it does rain on your parade, and it's really because of your own choosing and your own decisions. There are times in life that things are out of our control, and there are other times that things happen to us is because of something that we've done. It's because of our own doing. When it comes to our story today, what you find is, and for the Israelites, it's their fault. You see, these Israelites would always find themselves stuck in this pattern that repeat, repeated over and over and over again. Here's the gist of it, and this is probably going to be the story of our life. You see, the children of Israel, all of a sudden, they would come and they would rebel and they would sin against God. And then that sin was going to lead them to their punishment, and that punishment is going to drive them to repentance. And God responds to that repentance with deliverance. And it's the same cycle over and over and over again. Hey, listen, that's the story of humanity. Some of you are like, Billy, that's my life right now. I will come and I'll fall into sin. And when I fall into sin, I'm punished because of it. And then because I'm punished, all of a sudden I cry out to him, God, forgive me. And then he restores me. And then I'm back at the top. And then all of a sudden I make another mistake. Hey, listen, through the entire book of Judges, this is the story, the theme throughout it all. This was the pattern all the way through. Turn with me to Judges chapter 6, verse 1. If you didn't bring your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen. Judges chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says this, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of the Midianites for seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel because of the Midian people of Israel made for themselves, because Israel made for themselves in the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. So here's what we find. The children of Israel are right smack dab in the middle of one of those patterns. The Israelites have rebelled against God, and the result of that sin was them being enslaved to the very people they were supposed to be triumphant over. So instead of being victorious and triumphant, listen to me, they're losing. The the ones who were supposed to do the defeating now find themselves being defeated. And can I share with you why this is happening? It's because of one little bitty simple word. It's this word called disobedience. If you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, a, A disobedience hinders peace. Disobedience in your life is going to hinder your peace. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 57 verse 20. But, but those who still reject me are like the restless sea, which is never still, but continually churns up mud and dirt. There is no peace for the wicked, says God. So if disobedience disrupts or hinders our peace, then obedience starts to foster and grow and brings peace. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 48, 18. Oh, that you had listened to my commands, then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling over you like waves in the sea. So as we come to our story in Judges chapter 6, this is exactly where the children of Israel, Israel are. For seven years, they've been held captive. Seven years they've been defeated because of their own disobedience. Look at verse 4. Listen to what it says. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, no sheep or ox or donkey. 
For they would come up with their livestock in their tents, and they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste to the land as they came in. Can you imagine living this way every day for seven years in constant fear and constant struggle just to be able to provide for your family? These Midianites come and they destroy everything. And then on top of all that, knowing that you as an individual... You brought all of this on yourself because of your own sin and your own choices. To just think about this over the next seven years. They're they're at this place. We have a word for it. It's called rock bottom. Can I ask you today, anybody ever been there at rock bottom? Lowest as you can get. Man, if you've been at rock bottom, it's an interesting place, is it not? And if you've been there, then you know that that place does something to you. And what it did for you, I hope, is exactly what it did for them. The Israelite community did the one thing that God was hoping for. Listen to what the Bible says in Judges chapter 6. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel, best words in the entire scripture today, they cried out to the Lord for help. Hey, can I just share with you here today, if that's you today, Man, you're at rock bottom, the lowest you've ever been. You're at probably one of the most darkest, scariest, loneliest times of your entire life. And if it's because of your own decisions and your own choices, man, can I just encourage you? I think you need to do what they did. It's this thing about crying out to God. You see, here's what I know, and this is one of the things I've missed for most of my life. God is always near, amen? God is always close to us. Even when we can't see him, even when we can't feel him, even when we can't see or touch his presence, God is always close. God is always near. The Bible says God is near the brokenhearted. And what I love about this story is they're at this place and all of a sudden they come and and they cry out to God. So in this moment, God has their undivided attention. Listen to what he says in verse 7. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on the count of Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the, you shall not fear the gods of the Amorites and Amorites in whose land you will dwell. But you, but you have not obeyed my voice. I love this so much. God starts off with reminding them of everything he's done. And then in spite of all the goodness of God and the greatness of God, they made this decision to turn away from him. You see, the Old Testament tells us that this is a thing called idolatry. An idol is anything that that you and I, that we look to, that we count on for our provisions, maybe direction or maybe even satisfaction. So so here's what the Israelites did. And this is really what we do today. They stopped looking to God. They stopped looking at God as their ultimate authority and protector and provider in their life. And instead, they just added him to the collection of all these other gods that they had. I want you to get this. They didn't give up on God. He was still there. They still showed up to church on Sunday morning. They just took him from up here, and they placed him on the table with all of these other little bitty gods. And then all of a sudden, the supreme God is down on the shelf with everybody else. Man, does that not sound like us on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday of our life? On Sunday, oh, God, you're first in our life. But on Monday, we come and we start bowing down to this other God. And it's like when we leave these doors on Sunday, we take God and we come and we put him on this little shelf with all of these other little gods in our life. And this is what the Bible calls idolatry. And God said, hey, I don't want you to have no other gods before me. 
Man, what they did is exactly what we do. They didn't give up on their religion. Man, he was still there. But he was just with everybody else. So all of a sudden this prophet comes and reminds them that their problem is not a social problem. The problem that they're in is not a political problem. The problem that they're in is not a financial problem. Their problem where they find themselves today is they had a spiritual problem. And if you're taking notes, you need to know this. A spiritual problem can only be solved by a heavenly formula. You hear me? A spiritual problem in your life can only be solved by heavenly formula. And that answer was found in a young man named Gideon. The first time we found our boy named Gideon, he was hiding in a wine press threshing wheat. A wine press is obviously where they make wine, but no one would come and thresh wheat in a wine press. You do it out on a hill with a little bit of wind so the, the, the wheat falls down, the chaff kind of blows on down the hill. If you do it inside of a wine press that can't get any wine in there, what he's doing here, Gideon, is trying to hide and survive from these Midianites. But notice what the angel of the Lord tells Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The angel of the Lord addressed Gideon as a valiant warrior. And that is a little bit confusing to me because this boy hasn't fought any battles. He's never been to war before. As a matter of fact, when we find him, we find him hiding in the wine press. There's, there's this name that's given to him that doesn't really match up with who he is right now. I, I love this so much that God often sees us not as we are today, but God sees us as we can be. You hear me today? Hey, men, can I talk with you just for a moment? I need you to hear me. God sees you not as you are, but as, his, as you can be. And I think there's a big problem in, in our world today, in our church today, because if you look at it, man, this is one of the things that bothers me so much is the lack of, I don't know if this is the right word, the lack of manliness inside of church. Did, did you know you can go to any church today and most of the volunteers and the servants and the people who serve, it, it's all women. Most of your Sunday school teachers are all women. Most of the people who lead out is all women. And it's like all the men have just kind of taken a back seat. Can I just share with you, if you're a man in here, that's not what God wants in your life. You hear me? God has no desire for you to come sit on a chair or pew on a Sunday morning and not participate, not help lead the way. In most homes today, do you know that women lead the way in leading the family? Hey, listen, I don't want to get all, anybody upset in here, but I just want you to hear me. Men are called to lead the family. It's commanded in Scripture. We're to lead our wives well. We're to lead our kids well. We're to lead our house well. That's the man's responsibility. Man, there's a lack in it. But I want you to know that where you are today is not the person that God sees you. Will you hear me? We talked several weeks ago about this blessed life thing, and there is a path that God has for you. And men, there's this ideal picture of what God wants for you. And listen, you can keep on just kind of trudging through your day and you're going to be just fine, but you're not going to get to the picture, the image of who God created you to be. It's when you and I step into the things that God wants for us that we become the person Christ wants us to be. Now, ladies, just for a moment, don't get all excited because I'm fixing to talk to you for a moment too. Ladies, I want you to know that there is an image that God has for you. God has created you to step into these moments and these environments and how he sees you today is not the end of it. There's a picture that he has for you. You're supposed to rise up and as you press into him, you're going to become the person that Christ wants you to be. Listen to me, as a church, I want you to hear me. None of us 
including your pastor, is where we're supposed to be in life. God has more for every one of us. So God comes, and we're fixing to see the description of Gideon here, but God comes and says, man, you're a mighty warrior. Gideon's like, bro, I'm hiding in a wine press. I'm fixing to die. But God comes and says, oh, no, 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 no. I see of you what you're going to be, not where you're at now. Listen to this. I love this. Judges 6, 13. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Here's the gist of this conversation. Gideon is wanting to know, God, if you are for us, and if you are with us, then where have you been? Seven years, and we can't find you. I love the fact that he asked, where are the miracles and the deeds that our fathers talked about us? Anybody ever ask this question, God, where are you? Now, here's the thing that you need to know about their situation. I want you to hear this. It had nothing to do with God. You hear me? It had nothing, not a zilch to do with God, and everything to do with them and their disobedience. I want you to understand that because where we're fixing to go is fixing to get crazy because all of a sudden in this context, Gideon is blaming God for their current situation. Whoo! Gideon is blaming God for their current situation. Man, ain't it crazy how you and I, we can get in these places, and then all of a sudden because our disobedience and what we do, we want to blame God for it. Am I talking to anybody here today? Gideon is stepping in this moment. I can't believe he has the audacity to do this. He's saying, look, where, where have you been? Now listen, God, Gideon called him out. Look what he said. But now the Lord, but now the Lord has forsaken us. God has given us into the hand of Median. One of my favorite quotes in life. Write this down. Put my name by it. You can Twitter it, Instagram it, Facebook it. Listen to this. One of my favorite quotes of a lot of people, they create their own storm. And they get mad when it rains. Have you ever met somebody like that? They create their own storms, their own problems, and then they get mad when it rains. Like, it's your fault. Man, in student ministry, for years, kids would come and they would make stupid decisions. And then all of a sudden, they reap the consequence of those decisions. And then they want to get mad and blame God like, it's not him. It's, it's, it's you. You did that. And I thought that after we graduate high school and college, I thought into adulthood, we would grow out of that phrase. But man, there are a lot of adults around the world, man, they create these own storms and then get mad when it rains. Hey, listen to me, church. You are free to do whatever you want to do. You can make any decision. You can make any choice that you want to make, but you are not free from the consequences of that decision. And now all of a sudden you find the Israelite family, the entire community for seven years, they've been just plummeted by the Midianites. And now all of a sudden it's happened so long that this is God's fault. God gave us into their hands. Listen to this next verse, Judges 6, 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? Again, here is God. Seeing Gideon, not as he is, but as he can be. And listen to what he says. He says, go in this might of yours and save Israel. I love how Gideon starts to describe himself in verse 15. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. In other words, God, listen, I'm not all that in a bag of chips as you like to think I am. I don't even have a beard today. Verse 16. I don't know if that part's true, but I just, if I can work a beard into the message, it's going to happen. And the Lord said to him, but I 
will be with you. Hey, listen, if you're a highlighter in your Bible, those words right there are the game changer for this entire message. But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that is you who speak with me. So Gideon goes, and he gets some meat, some unleavened bread, and some broth. He's making the stew, and then he sets it in front of this angel. In verse 21, the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. A fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Verse 22, then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, listen to this, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Watch Gideon. Then Gideon, he builds this altar to the Lord and he called it, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. Gideon experienced this name of God, Jehovah Shalom, when he experienced the presence of God. Gideon found peace in God's presence. Hear me. His peace is connected to his presence. God's peace is connected to his presence. Here's the one thing I want you to know today. God's peace is not tied to your circumstances. God's peace is not tied to your circumstances. Being at peace doesn't mean you're calm and collective when everything around you is calm. Just know when everything is calm, you should be calm as well. Being at peace means you're at rest even when everything else is going wrong. So again, I want you to know that if if this thing called peace is not achieved by our own works and our own efforts, but it's received, then how in the world do we get more peace? Several years ago, I heard about a story. A little 10-year-old girl was flying from, from, from Dallas to Cincinnati, Ohio. She was on the plane, and, and everybody was watching her, just kind of playing with her games and everything else. Well, all of a sudden, this plane's just cruising along, and it experienced some of the worst turbulence that, the, that they'd ever seen. Like, this plane is bouncing up and down. People are screaming. The seat, the seat belt light's coming on. Everybody's worried. The bulkheads are opening up. Luggage is falling down. But everybody's looking at this little girl, and everybody's screaming in fear and panic, but she is just playing her game man this goes on for five minutes and after it's done this old lady sitting beside her said hey sweetheart everybody was panicked like fearing for their life praying like this is it this is how it ends but man you just you never missed a beat did you were you that plugged in she said oh no she said i knew it was happening she said well then tell me why 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 were you that way she said well my daddy's the pilot and when I know he's going to get us to the place where we're supposed to be. I wasn't worried because my dad was up there. I, I, I want you to know that I don't know what you're going through right now, but you're going to make it through it. Everything might be falling apart in your life. You might be in one of the most difficult seasons and places you've ever been. But it's in those situations that you have to remember, remember what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33. If I, I have said these things to you, listen to me, that in me you may have peace. That in me you may have peace. In the world, here in Camden, hey, you're going to have problems, trials, troubles, tribulations. In your family, 
You're going to have these things. At your job, you're going to have these things. With your friends, you're going to have these things. And you're going to experience this. But listen to what he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Bad days, bad weeks, months, even bad years are going to come. But there's a promise here for you and I today. Jesus, Jesus reminds us of the same thing that he reminded Gideon. Peace isn't defined by your circumstances. Peace is defined by his presence. Hey, it's one thing for the whole world to be falling apart. It happens. It's something completely different for you to be falling apart with it. You can't control the world, but you can always control how you respond to it. Relationships are going to falter. Jobs are going to fail. Your health is going to decline. The economy, one day it's going to tank again. Man, it's all going to happen. But Jesus tells us, but take heart, I've overcome the world. One of my favorite verses is Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are labor, all who labor and are heavy laden. Listen to this. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and then learn from me. And I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is telling us, I take my yoke upon you and learn from me and be close to me. And when you do this, peace and rest come. Gideon met the Lord of peace when everything around him was falling apart. Gideon found that the only way to truly possess true, unbridled, unhindered peace was by simply knowing that the Lord was with him. I think one of the struggles we often face, face is we haven't brought our lives in line with Scripture. A, a lot of times we, we, we just kind of live this ideal life out without ever kind of taking into context what the Bible says. And I want you to hear me on this. This is huge. Gideon, he hadn't fought any of the Midianites. Did you know that? In this moment when he builds this altar, he experienced this peace, but yet he had never fought any battle. He hasn't even figured out how to defeat the enemy. He doesn't have any plan right now. This boy still has a lot of problems and issues ahead of him. But before Gideon dealt with anything in the physical realm, he made an altar altar to worship God in the spiritual realm. And on that altar, he praised God for his peace, not because his situation had changed, but God had showed up in the middle of his situation. Hey, listen, the battle's still on the Midianites. They're still outside. But it was when God showed up in the middle of his situation that everything changed. Hey, can I ask you here today, the problems that are plaguing you, the trials, and this thing that's just constantly there, the thing that brings the anxiety and the worries, hey, what would happen if God just showed up in the middle of it? How different would you be? How different would you react? How would everything change for you? Man, the battle is still outside. The problems are still there. But you're calm. You're collective. Because God is with you. With God, you can experience peace in any situation. Without him, You can spend whatever you want to do, or you can spend whatever you want. You can go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. And you might feel good for a little bit, but you will not have peace. If you want true peace in the middle of life circumstances, you have to be in God's presence. His presence changes everything, which really raises the question for us today. How do we, like Gideon, discover that God is is near us? Billy, if his peace is connected to his presence, well, how, how can I get closer to this? 
If his presence is the key to our peace, how do we get more of his presence? Well, I love what Paul said to the church in Rome. He, he tells us this little secret to experience Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Romans 8, 5, listen to what it says. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Paul said it has a whole lot more to do with your thinking. Paul tells us that if you want peace, then you and I, then we have to adjust our thinking. Peace begins by having a proper mindset, and it's directly related to and tied to God's divine presence. God's promise to keep those in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on him, Isaiah 26, 3, to keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And when we have the right mindset, all of a sudden it's going to be followed up with the right action, and then peace will always be the outcome. Listen to what it says in Leviticus 26, verse 3. If you walk in my statue and observe my commandments and do them and do them, and do them. Listen to what verse 6 says. I will give peace in the land. You shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. And listen to what Isaiah said in Isaiah 48, 18. On that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. When your mind is set on the Spirit, it align, and you help align your thoughts on God's point of view, which causes our minds to be full of peace. A mindset on God's presence, just as Gideon was, brings life and peace. So here's what I want you to know. And I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what you're going through right now. I think we look to a lot of things in those circumstances and situations to try to figure out peace. But here it is. It can get more simple than this. His peace is connected to his presence. And if you want to have this unbridled, unhindered peace, hey, it's connected to the Word of God. It's connected to the people of God. It's connected in praying to God. It's connected to Him. And can I just share with you, I went through a lot of life trying to figure out where this peace comes from. And I've missed it. If I get you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Do you have perfect peace? It's easy to have it when and all of life is going great. But in a moment, our lives can get flipped upside down. And in that moment, you'll find out real quick if you have perfect peace. And I want to be like Gideon. Before the battle was ever fought, and they're right outside the door. And Gideon says, hey, I'm fixing to worship you, God. Because you bring peace in the middle of storms. I want you to know that his peace is connected to his presence. And, and I just need to ask you this question. Are you confident that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know that you know that you know that he is all yours and you are all his. That there was a time in your life where you said, God, I'm, I don't want to live for me anymore. God, I want to live for you. I want to place my faith and trust in you. 
if you've never done that, hey, we want you to know that, and we want you to take some good steps in the right direction. For you to experience peace, you first have to have the presence living inside of you. And when that happens, the Spirit of God comes, and then we begin this transition where we don't live with the flesh anymore. We live by the Spirit. Have you done it today? Have you gave your life to Jesus Christ? And if you haven't, I want to share with you today from God's Word how, how you can. But maybe you're here and your world's falling apart. It's his presence. I love what Gideon did. He, he stopped and said, I'm going to worship you. Or if he's going to have that opportunity during, opportunity during our invitation to stop and just come and, and worship the Lord of peace. Father God, I thank you so much for today and I thank you for everybody here and Father, I don't know what's going on in our lives and our hearts, but I think everybody wants peace. And that peace that we want, that we desire, it's, it's with your presence. And there's not a better place to experience the presence of God than in the house of God. So God, I pray right now in this moment, the weights, the anxieties, the fears, and worries, Father, I pray we would come and just worship you in this moment. There in our chair, here at the altar. Father, let us have this Gideon moment in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?